Hi, welcome to the Romance Me podcast. This is Erica. And I'm Em. And as I say, special love, Carnival and only then. See you later. From the trees outside your window. Like a creeper. I don't know. You told me I could say things, so I said something. <laughs> you did. Good job, Gold Star. <laughs> I would totally lurk in the trees like a creeper. I know. Only in a funny way. <laughs> <laughs> Only in a good way. Because <laughs> I'd wear a clown mask, and I'm like, no, that does not make it better. <laughs> that makes it so much worse. God, I hate clowns. <laughs> Fucking traumatizing bastards. Today, we'll be discussing Frost by C.N. Crawford. There is rock bottom, and then there is the layer of crap Ava finds herself in the morning after her worst birthday ever. Involuntarily single and not ready to mingle, she finds herself jobless as well. Cue the handsome Seely King, Torin, to rush in, saying words that amount to, I hate you, so marry me and I'll give you a bunch of money. (laughs) (laughs) Like, literally. (laughs) Yeah. Nothing in life is easy, and neither is this staged courtship. Ava must compete against, even sword fight, magic-using princesses to give her a shot at winning Torrin's hand. While Torrin helps her survive the deadly challenges, undesired feelings develop. Can Torrin keep his distance from Ava and save his people? Or will his love for her doom them all? There will be spoilers beyond this point. We have a content warning for cheating, but not between the couple. And also this book ends on a cliffhanger, but we'll be reviewing the next book as our very first book for the new year. So there. (laughs) You did it. Good job. You did it. I did it. Yes. (laughs) Twice in you. Someone did it. I don't know who. I'm not cleaning it it up. (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) well sort of on that note do you think the curry was hot enough no (laughs) it needed to be bernie which kind of hot both kinds of hot (laughs) all right so for context (laughs) i am the queen of context after all you are here with your crown It is Ava's birthday, and she has gotten off of work early. She picks up dinner, including a spicy curry, and brings it home to her loving boyfriend. Who she supports financially. Yeah, that's important. Yep. And when she gets there, she thinks he's watching porn, but unfortunately, she's wrong. Live porn. Live porn, yes. <laughs> she shows up to a live porn performance of her boyfriend fucking another woman. Yeah, poor Ava. And this boyfriend of hers, Andrew, is such a tool. Oh my gosh. he He's come from a rich background, so he has really no concept of struggling. While he was working on his, was it his degree? Yes. Ava was paying his fucking mortgage. Yep. They were planning their life together. They were going to get married. Things were going to be wonderful. 
But Andrew fell in love with this other woman, and Ava can't deny him true love, can she? (laughs) Don't hate on love. She gave him a hall pass after all, right? I believe that was a a misunderstanding. (laughs) (laughs) Are you sure? If memory serves, he was like, do you know what a hall pass is? And she's like, yes. And apparently his brain went, that means I can sleep with other women. Basically, yeah. Yep. <laughs> While on vacay. With Ava. Well, I mean, she wasn't on vacay. She had a UTI, so she was, you know. <laughs> yeah, so Ava throws the curry onto Andrew and Ashley, who's the woman. Hopefully makes things burn. Unfortunately, it probably wasn't hot enough to hurt too bad. Some of it gets flung back onto her and Ava grabs her stuff and goes out to a bar to drink her feelings. So a little background on Ava. She is a fairy. <laughs> um, like a, like, you know, like a magical fairy, but she doesn't have any magic that she knows of. Again, we. Yeah, she's got the pointy ears. She has blue hair. That she dyes brown to fit in. Yes. Which is so weird, because I feel like having blue hair is more normal now. Well, yeah, and the the book actually explains that. Because when she was abandoned outside of Fairyland, and then adopted by a human woman named Chloe, I think? Yes. Jones? She was made fun of and mistreated at school for being a fairy. Yeah, like they tied her up or something. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Perhaps we should have warned for that school bullying we're warning now be warned be warned we just talked about it then once she was in high school being a fairy was now cool and so she took up fencing because fencing is like a fairy sport that all the humans liked and she i guess didn't suffer from bullying anymore but i think the damage was already done and she didn't want to be a fairy So that's why she dyes her hair, because even though blue is in, fairies are in, she's like, no, (laughs) the fairies didn't want me. I don't want them. (laughs) I have rejected you. Exactly. Her adoptive mother, Chloe, dies. Then Ava ends up meeting Andrew, getting together with him. And her dream, once Andrew finishes his degree and gets gainfully employed, was to open a bar named after her mother. But now she's not going to be able to do that because Andrew fucked up and fucked her over. And it's just basically an asshole. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say this part now, but this happens way later in the story when Torin, the fairy king, finds out that Andrew <laughs> reneged on a deal. Mm-hmm. He's like, he broke a contract. <laughs> how dare he because you know contracts are a big thing in fairyland (laughs) they are sacred that is probably why they have such a taboo against lying (laughs) probably there are workarounds for that but yes ava is drinking in this bar her best friend shalini shows up and is there to commiserate and be a good friend Ava is going to be spending the night and possibly some future days at Shalini's place. 
Because she is now homeless. Yes. Isn't it wonderful? Freedom. As she is drinking and moping, they are watching TV at the bar. And it's a Bachelor-style show. Hitched and stitched? Yeah, hitched and stitched. And it's like a bachelor with a bunch of women trying to get with him and then also a plastic surgery angle to it or something. I It sounds terrible. Yeah, it sounds like it would be popular. Yeah, exactly the trash TV that many would enjoy. The show gets interrupted by a news reporter who announces that King Torin, the Seely King of Fairyland, is looking for a bride and he is going around to personally invite the 100 fae women who will then compete for his hand in a televised series of challenges. Humans fucking eat this shit up. They're all about the fairies now. Doesn't the Seely King kind of rule a bit in the mortal world? I don't think they really get into it. I think it's just sort of alluded to. Yeah, they say he's like in charge of everything or something like that. And he's also like the richest person as well. Yeah. Supposedly. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really understand. But yes. Yeah, it didn't get into it too much. The world building in this story is not necessarily bad, but I would call it sparse. Yeah, it's selective. Yeah, you're kind of intuiting things through what is happening, which is fine, but there isn't a lot. So, yeah. Anyways, everyone's super excited about this, except for Ava, who... Again, she was rejected by Fairyland, therefore she rejects Fairyland, and fuck them all, and she hates King Torin on principle. Mm-hmm. Plus she's drunk, and she hates all men, and she hates love, and she hates weddings. Yeah. And she basically hates pretty much everything except Shalini at this point. I think that's accurate. And you know what, girl? I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay to hate everything sometimes. It is. It will pass. It'll be okay. She continues drinking, perhaps more than she would have otherwise due to this (laughs) announcement. And yet, the news is showing a street that looks suspiciously like the street this bar is located on, and motorcycles and such, which sounds suspiciously like the motorcycles outside. And then all of a sudden, Torin is actually at this bar because he decided he wants a drink. He's not there to invite anyone to be his bride, potential bride. No, he's just thirsty (laughs) and wants some alcohol. Oh, he's thirsty. (laughs) There's this moment where everyone is super formal with him and they're showing him respect, lowering their heads and whatnot. And Ava locks eyes with Torin. There's this feeling that she needs to bow before him. And I think it's... (laughs) a magical feeling because I think it's just Torin trying to make her do it. She's like, fuck no, I am not bowing. You are not my king. Screw you. Did you have like Loki Neil visions? (laughs) Neil, no. (laughs) You Neil. And so he says, it's kind of expected for you to bow for your king. And she's like, yeah, no, you're not my king. Screw you. I live by human rules now. He says to her, (laughs) 
it's good I'm not here to invite you to compete for my hand because you're super disrespectful and you're a disgusting drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, flattery will just get you everywhere. (laughs) And she says, oh, well, I don't have any interest in your stupid tournament because it's frankly embarrassing. Just like the whole concept of hitched and stitched. (laughs) And she tears him a new one. He is cold and grouchy. And then he leaves. And he walks away. So next we get one of the two chapters in this book, which is in Torin's head. The first of two. So we get some backstory on Torin. He is the Seelie King of Fairyland. He rules over the six kingdoms of fairies and... Things aren't going well. (laughs) So fairies used to be secret. And then his parents got killed. A couple years after that, the kingdom was broke and needed food. And so they reintroduced themselves to the human world. (laughs) Hello, we exist. Give us food. (laughs) Worship us, pay us, feed us. We love you. Not really. So when his parents were murdered, he and his sister were also cursed. His sister was cursed with blindness, and Torin was cursed with killing any person he falls in love with. Oops. The other thing that sucks for him is that, I guess, when a king fairy sits on the throne, he uses magic and he's very powerful, but he has no way to replenish the magic he's using. He needs a queen fairy to sit on the throne. He's a user. Who just gives the magic to the kingdom. Yes. They're at a point now where fairyland is in eternal winter and the magic is going away. And there's a void that the magic is leaving that is being filled with bad, scary things. Like dragons. Uh Uh-huh. And Torin. He's he's decided, well, all right, I need to save my kingdom and my world and all that, so I need to get married. But I don't want to kill whoever I marry, because that would be bad. Because <laughs> I have a conscience and ethics. And a history of that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that too. <laughs> I've already been through that, and you know what? It sucks, and I'd rather not do that again. <laughs> Been there, done that, got the scars. (laughs) Yeah, he's super guilty. He has this guilt from uh, this woman that he, well, fairy woman, who he'd been in love with, and he basically froze her to death. Not on purpose, but because of his curse. As a result, he doesn't want to marry, really, because he doesn't want to fall in love, and he's hoping to find a bride who he finds distinctly unlovable, Who is willing to yet sit on the throne and provide the new magic to fairyland. In fact, he is extra determined. He's going to find a woman who he loathes, who's willing to make an arrangement, a business arrangement of sorts with him. Someone with awful manners. Someone with no sophistication. Someone gross and drunken and horrible with a low-born sense of morality. Flatterer. (laughs) You know, someone like that drunk woman he met at the bar the other night. (laughs) 
Now we're back in Ava's head for pretty much most of the rest of the story. The next morning, Ava wakes up to find out she has been fired. (laughs) Good morning, you're fired. People do not like that she was so rude and horrible to King Torin. And so they've been leaving threats at her former employer, who then was like, yeah, no, you're bad for business. (laughs) Adios. Ava gets it, but at the same time... She feels miserable. She feels awful. And then she decides to herself, you know what? I'm going to press her fear. I'm going to make myself feel better. And she gets into her running clothes and she goes out to go for a jog. But she's met outside by a news van who wants to interview her about her wonderful behavior the night before. How dare they deny her her runner's high. It's lovely. And she tries to, to leave. But then there's another news van or something like that and she tries to cross the street and she almost gets hit by a car <laughs> but Torin rescues her yay because he's conveniently there yay he like puts up this magic-y fog so that they have some privacy and he also glamours the news reporters to destroy their equipment yeah it's pretty fun i think Torin is a little surprised when he sees Ava this time, because she's not drunk and surly. She's just surly. <laughs> Sometimes it's good to lose the drunk. <laughs> she doesn't understand what he did to make the reporters destroy their equipment. And he explains what glamour is. I don't think he realized up until this point how far removed Ava was from what fairyland is like. Yeah. So he feels a little bit differently about it than he did before. But he asks her if they can go talk somewhere privately. And she says, fine. Brings him back to Shalini's house. He explains the deal to her. He needs a wife who he's not going to fall in love with to sit on the throne and give magic to fairyland. Somehow it just it happens. It's a thing. It's magical. He says Ava is the perfect woman to be his wife because he hates her and she hates him. No love could possibly develop from that. If she just marries him for a few months and sits on the throne for a while, then things will get back to normal in fairyland and then they can get divorced and she can leave. And he'll give her $50 million to do all that. Yay. And Ava says, yeah, I want $50 million. (laughs) Sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) she does say that we should sign some kind of contract and he has one with him (laughs) conveniently it gives her some security on the matter and she says well what happens if you break this contract because you are basically the most powerful person in existence and he says no i'll die if i break it it's fine (laughs) and she goes oh cool 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 that's fine then (laughs) as long as you're willing to die it's fine and then before they leave Shalini pops in and she says, I want to go to Fairyland too. I'll be your advisor. (laughs) And they say, okay, sounds good. Yeah. Shalini is also like stinking rich and doesn't work and is just bored, I guess. So she desperately wants adventure. Yeah. She's a good friend, but she desperately wants adventure. They get in Torrin's car. He drives really fucking fast to the point that everyone gets scared. And then all of a sudden they're in fairyland and it turns into a horse-drawn coach and it's winter everywhere and it's magical and beautiful. 
And then they get to his castle and there's like a giant set of stag antlers out front. And Ava gets this whole sense of foreboding from the castle itself. Like she's not welcome there. And she kind of chalks it all up to the fact that she got abandoned as a baby and no one wanted her. She doesn't really think too deep into it. When they get inside, Torin says, okay, we got to move fast because everyone else is showing up soon. I'm going to drop you off to get a fancy dress. See you later. Ava and Shalini are left with, what's her name? Madame Sioba? Yes. Who is a fairy that makes magical clothing. And not only does she make magical clothing, but since Ava's all nasty and, you know, she's been running and drunk and has grimy hair and all that, she also burns off Ava's clothing, gives her a magical shower, and then creates her some magical lacy underwear. And as Ava's standing there going, what the fuck? Torin comes in to see what the hell is taking so long and catches a glimpse of the lovely, cleaned up, sexy underwear wearing Ava. Then she gets a beautiful dress. It's wonderful. She feels great. Shalini gets a fancy pantsuit. And yeah, Torin kind of frog marches Ava to the great hall where you know all the other marriage contestants will be and he tells her not to talk to the six princesses don't cause a scene and don't talk to the princesses because they are scary af he doesn't tell her that at first but he does later so basically fairyland is Overall ruled by Torin, but there are six minor kingdoms that are comprised of different types of fairies. And each of the princesses comes from one of these other kingdoms. Since they're princesses, since they're royalty, they have magic. If you're a common fae, then you don't have magic and you're at a severe disadvantage. So it seems really kind of fucked up, honestly. Yeah. And you think about the fact that the fairies in this story are cruel and they don't abide by any sense of human morality or anything like that. And they just pit six magic-wielding cruel princesses against (laughs) 94 common fairies who have basically no chance. Like, it just, it's supremely fucked up. I guess 95 counting Ava, because now there's 101 contestants. Kind of like the Dalmatians. One of the important princesses of note is Princess Mariah, who seems to be one of the front runners. She's very thirsty for King Torin. We're not sure why at the moment. And she's also from a clan that maybe sort of kind of drink blood, possibly. <laughs> Another fun thing about this gathering is that it is being televised. There's a human news crew in Fairyland. (laughs) Because not only did Torin use up all of Fairyland's magic, but he also used a lot of their money. And he needs the money that the news crew is going to pay him in order to not be in debt anymore. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) 
I kind of wonder how much of it is him, you know? Yeah. (laughs) The story doesn't imply that at all. We're just meant to feel (laughs) sorry for him. And I mean, I kind of do. He is he is kind of a tragic character, honestly, and has tragic money management skills. (laughs) All right. Torrent shows up at the gathering. Everyone is bowing and lowering their heads and whatnot. And Ava still refuses to do that and just keeps eye contact with him. (laughs) Like a boss. Maybe he won't notice. Oh, he notices. (laughs) I think he likes it. (laughs) well okay then unfortunately for him well unfortunately for both of them really since if they fall in love well if he falls in love with her then she'll die potentially Uh oh torn explains the challenges that the contestants will have to complete the first one is a race the second one is like dates and then the third one is fencing after the gathering i think it's like torin's guard aaron leads Ava and Shalini to their room where they will be staying. And it's a room that largely goes unused. And it's given this sort of ominousness, but we don't really learn anything about the backstory of that room. We just know it's kind of maybe a little creepy. And there's this fun tapestry in the room of like these really creepy demon forest warrior fairies in it. And Ava really likes this tapestry. She looks at it a lot in the story. They get settled in their room and then Torin comes by, tells her she did a good job at the gathering and he's going to come by in the morning and give her some running gear. And he picked the race specifically because he knows she runs and that she can be fast. He says that sometimes the first challenge isn't necessarily a race. So he is catering the challenges toward um, Ava's strengths as much as he can. Also that night, like right before Ava goes to bed, Orla, Torin's sister, comes by to say hello. Just long enough so that Ava can realize she's blind and is Torin's sister. And then she goes, yeah, it's kind of late. And then Orla's like, oh, I'll leave you alone then. Bye. What is your opinion of Orla's place in this story? Because I was expecting more from her, honestly. She starts off in the beginning where she's Torin's confidant. She's willing to marry someone so that Torin doesn't have to. She comes by Ava's room to see her, that type of thing. I was expecting more. I also was expecting more. Yeah, she just has these few little scenes and then that's it. Like, I was expecting her... And Ava to have some more meaningful moments. Yeah. And that just didn't happen. So it was like, okay, I don't, I'm not sure I understand why this is happening. She does play an important role later during the last challenge. So I feel like this scene here is just so that Ava knows who she is. Yeah, maybe. But because she's not really in Ava's orbit other than this scene... And then later toward the end, it just feels weird. Yeah. The next morning, Torin wakes Ava up super fucking early. Rude. Gives her her running clothes, tells her about the race course and gives her three potions. One of them causes like a poison gas mist. One of them will prevent her from feeling any pain for like 10 minutes or something. 
And one of them will just cause like a black mist that doesn't do anything, but just impedes vision. And he says that this will help her since the princesses are going to be using their magic. And once they get into the woods section of the race course, all bets are off. There are no rules in fairyland. It's kill or be killed. (laughs) Yeah. And it is. It's pretty fucking brutal. Then they go and they talk. And she says, well, what do you do for fun here? He's all, oh, well, we used to sacrifice people. (laughs) like humans but you know it's not that bad we drug them so (laughs) they can't run away and we use drums to drown out the screams (laughs) know your audience dude (laughs) Uh, it's hilarious because the whole time he talks to her about this stuff he's looking at her like yeah duh you're a fairy you get it (laughs) this has got to be in you somewhere And then he tells her about how uh, they also, um, during Beltane, they have orgies around bonfires. And he kind of gets a little flirtatious with her. And it almost feels like he's going to kiss her or something. And then he's like, yeah, no, uh, -uh. (laughs) you suck. (laughs) I was just teasing you (laughs) because I'm an asshole. (laughs) Oh, wait, I hate you. Yeah, oops, I forgot. (laughs) I forgot for a second. We hate each other, right? And they also see this, I don't know, there's like this magical forest lady that they talk to. I forget what the significance of them talking to the forest lady. Oh, it's so that when she talks to the forest lady later, we know who she is. Oh. The magical forest lady is like this forest spirit. She's like old magic. She's really cool, I guess. All right. We do like her. She she helps later. Yay. They're getting ready to go back to wait for the other contestants to show up. And Mariah catches them walking around. And she's pissed that Ava is getting some one-on-one time with King Torin. She's wearing Torin's cloak at this point. <laughs> they look awfully cozy. And Mariah starts spreading this rumor that they went and fucked in the forest. That's not going to give you any special points. Ava, Torin will fuck any common fairy. It's not like you're special or anything. Thanks for the clarification. Yeah, it's pretty great. And then Torin says, Ava, I told you not to talk to the princesses, damn it. <laughs> Ava's like, what the hell was I supposed to do? <laughs> he says, if they see you as a threat, they're going to start working together to eliminate you. He decides he's going to help disguise her and he glamours her to have purple hair. I guess that hides her appearance. And she's like, um, thanks, I guess. Like, is this going to last forever? And he goes, oh, for a while. It'll wear off. It's fine. Yeah, like a couple weeks or something. So the race starts. The princesses are hauling ass. Ava is kind of curious that they're running so hard so early on in the race She's like, how are they going to have the stamina to run the whole thing? She also thinks it's suspicious because they're all keeping pace with each other. When they get to the forest line, there's this mist that shows up and it impedes vision. And some of the other common fairies run into the forest after the princesses. And then we start hearing screaming. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Like, it's really bad. It's really, really gruesome. 
Screams of joy? Uh, no. Okay. And then the magical forest lady shows up and makes wind blow all the mist away, which allows Ava to see the bodies of some fairies. <laughs> uh, one of them has her feet chopped off. Mm. It's just really bad. And right beyond the injured fairies, the princesses are all standing there catching their breath. Ava concludes that they've set up some sort of magical razor sharp tripwire and she goes kind of looking for it and she finds it and she thinks, well, I could step over it and I'll be fine, but I don't want anyone else to get hurt. So she uses a rock to break it so that no one else will get hurt, which was kind of nice of her. Yes. The princesses start running again. Ava starts running. She's really close to catching up and even overtaking them at this point. And then all of a sudden, Mariah elbows her in the chest and Ava falls over. And then another foot catches her. So the princesses ganged up on her Mm -hmm. (laughs) when they're done with her. Uh, Poor Ava is coughing up blood. Her lung has been punctured. She does not feel good at all. And she's thinking, well, all right, I still need to win. So she uses the magical poison gas potion. And instead of throwing it behind her, like Torin had instructed her, she throws it ahead of her where the princesses are. (laughs) And then she takes the pain relieving potion and runs through the poison gas. (laughs) And she ends up making the cut. She's one of the six that completed the race. Yay! And she's the only common fairy to complete the challenge. She passes out, like, right after she gets to the finish line, though. And when she wakes up, she's being carried by Torin. And he's like, it's fine. I've got you. It'll be okay. And she's like, what the fuck? Who replaced (laughs) Icy King Torin with you? (laughs) Nice, warm boy. Torin uses his magic to heal her. She does not like it because it feels really intimate and kind of sexy. And it makes her feel uncomfortable because here's this guy who hates her and she supposedly hates him. And he's putting magic through her and it's making her feel sexy and it's just not okay. So she makes him stop before he's completely done healing her. He is really proud of her, though. He's like, yeah, you were the last one to make the cut, but you did it. Yeah, you. And then she says, but what about the women with, like, the severed limbs and the other hurt ladies? What about them? And he says, oh, well, they didn't finish in time, so they'll be recovering in whatever common fey towns they hail from. (laughs) Fuck them. Who cares? (laughs) And then she says... You know, just wondering, but have you ever considered banning mutilations and murder attempts during the trials? (laughs) And he says, no, that's not our way. (laughs) And then he says, quote, if you feel we go too far, it's only because you are living a lie about your true nature, because underneath it all, you are as vicious as the rest of us. Mm. Which, yeah, I mean... This book makes no apologies for how brutal and vicious and cruel Fairyland is. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. Me too. I was a little worried about reading a fairy book because magical fairies and they're so wonderful. I like the scary fairies. (laughs) So I'm happy we have some scary fairies. (laughs) 
Torin tells Ava that he's going to come back for her later because even though today was brutal and you're tired, we have to start training now to make sure you're prepared for the fencing later. And Ava takes a bath and it's basically as soon as she's done with her bath, he comes back and gets her and he's like, okay, get dressed. We're, we're going to go fencing now. He takes her out into the middle of the forest, tosses her a rapier, and he tells her that the rules are basically no rules. So it's not like fencing in the human world. You can do whatever you want. And the whole point is to stab the other person. There's also a point in this scene where we learn about the concept of changelings. So back in ye olden times, fairies would steal a human child to raise it kind of like a pet and leave an undesirable fairy child in the human child's place. It's at this point that he starts calling her his little changeling, like, oh, my changeling. They get to the actual rapier fighting. Ava is actually really good at fencing, which I think Torin wasn't expecting her to be as good as she was. Aha! She ends up getting two points. And then he says, best of seven. Like, <laughs> no, you shall not win. <laughs> Ava realizes that even though Torin really wants Ava to be good at fencing and is happy that she's good at fencing, he's also really competitive and he doesn't want to lose. <laughs> <laughs> well, neither does she. No, she really doesn't. She's very competitive as well. This is a really fun scene, and we start to see a little bit of Ava's fae side, because she starts fighting dirty. <laughs> yeah. Torin ends up saying, okay, well, <laughs> I'm losing, so let's try this with daggers too. And Ava isn't used to fighting with two weapons, she's only used to fighting with the one, and so she's at a disadvantage. But when Torin almost gets hurt, like when he almost wins, she ends up kicking his kneecap so hard <laughs> that it cracks and Torin drops his blades. Cause and ow. you can tell that he is not feeling very good at the moment. <laughs> and then Ava levels her blade at his throat and she's all, yield! <laughs> uh, so cute. <laughs> Yes. Oh, I guess we do get another scene with Orla because she ends up listening to the fight and she thinks it's funny that Ava is such a badass. She's pleased that Ava is kicking her brother's ass. Yes. We get a bit of a time jump. Six days have passed and every night Ava and Torin spar together. Ever since that first night, Torin has stopped holding back so much. Ava feels like they are bonding a bit over the fencing, but that's not necessarily a good thing because they're supposed to hate each other. Yes. I was told there would be hate. <laughs> <laughs> right. One of the nights they're fencing, he gets her backed up against a tree and he says, oh, it seems I have you exactly where I want you, my favorite changeling. And she says, favorite, have you forgotten we hate each other? And he says, quote, your utter contempt for me is what makes it all the more exciting when I have you under my control. 
<laughs> yeah, we got some sexual tension. He's got the knee like up between her thighs. He's really close. It's like violent sexy because he's got her cornered and she ends up pushing him away and fighting him. She kicks him. All their weapons are gone. And then he raises his fist to her and she says, oh, are we going to fist fight? And he says, there's no rules here. And she says, oh, so I can punch a king. And he says, well, in this clearing, there are no rules. (laughs) (laughs) Allow me to clarify. And then he says, "Um, as your king, I'm commanding you to play the way I want you to. And so they start hand to hand fighting and it gets really vicious and violent but also sexy. He ends up hitting her. She winces a little bit. And then he goes, oh, are you all right? And then she punches him in the face. (laughs) (laughs) He's really into this. Really into this. He ends up casting magic that makes it so she can't see for a moment. She realizes that she can still use all her other senses. And they're a lot better than she remembers them being. Probably because she's in fairyland now. Yeah, probably. And so she's able to still lunge for him and hit him. And then the magic goes away and she's able to see him again. He ends up pinning her both arms above her head against the tree trunk again. And now we get to the smelling. (laughs) Of course there's smelling in this story. Of course. (laughs) He has to smell her. It's very feral and sexy. He kisses her and then he has like an oh shit moment and he says, sorry, I shouldn't have done that. And he just steps back. Oops. Oh, whoops. (laughs) Oh, I forgot myself here. (laughs) I I was getting kind of turned on with all the violence and the bloodshed, but (laughs) I'm not supposed to like you. My lips had a mind of their own. (laughs) (laughs) Then he starts talking about death and he says that... (laughs) (laughs) we're just making out (laughs) and i need to bring up death because it's very important to me (laughs) honestly i think he's trying to remind himself why he shouldn't be into her no yes of course (laughs) but he says that the final trial can be really bloody and he's trying to make sure she gets through it alive because he doesn't want her death on his hands Kissing you reminds me of a violent end. (laughs) And then she says, well, have you killed a lot of people? And he says, well, yeah. And he names off like different situations where he would have killed people. But then he says, there's one death that weighs most heavily on my mind, but that's a secret that will die with me. We learn a little bit more about the clans, but I already told you guys about it. And then Ava says, okay, well, I'm going to head back. I'm cold. And Torin says, all right, I'm going to stay here a while longer. And she leaves him alone. He is a sad, lonely boy. Aw. Him and Hamlet. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) All right. We get the second chapter that is in Torin's head. About halfway through the book, I think. It's important that this chapter is from Torin's point of view because it's during the, quote, dating portion of the challenges where he meets with each of the final six contestants and they're supposed to bring 
a food item to him, and they're supposed to have witty conversation and banter and whatnot. Yeah, they're supposed to cook for him. Supposedly, but they don't, none of them do. Not really, because that's not really their societal standard. No. It's the mortals or the humans. Right. And the whole reason they have this particular challenge this time is because of the news crew. They want a dating part of the show that they're filming. <laughs> yeah, doesn't the reporter like make some crack about women's places in the home or in the kitchen? He's like, but I can't really say that anymore. I'm like, you kind of just did, you jackass. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> gross. And so Torin is sitting there kind of moping a little bit, waiting for the dates to start. He hates this. He doesn't want to do this. And yet he has to because that's how he's going to get this money so that he can pay off all the debt that he got Fairyland into. And he really is starting to think about Ava in a new light. He really likes her now that he's gotten to know her. And one of the things he really likes about her is that she really doesn't give a fuck that he's the king at all. Yes. He wants to be liked for himself. So I get it. it makes sense. Then we get scenes with each of the princesses that are remaining. I think the most important scene for the story is when he has his date, Mariah. Because Mariah is out for blood. She wants to win this thing. She really, really does. We're not sure what her motive is. I think at this point, at least I was feeling like it wasn't a good motive. I don't think she actually likes him. <laughs> and she tries to badmouth Ava to Torin. You know, she she can't measure up to your high, high standard that you need for a queen. And Torin, he, he tries to flatter Mariah and he says, well, I also need someone who's a ruthless fighter who's willing to do whatever it takes to win. But that kind of means Ava. Yeah. He talks to one of the other princesses. I don't remember her name, but she's a red cap. And she mentions during their conversation something about Ava, too. She says, don't you notice that there's something wrong with Ava? It's not just that she has picked up humanisms. It's more like she moves weird. She doesn't move like humans or fairies. She stands to still like a statue. It's unnerving. So we're getting some clues, some hints. We've got the princesses are picking up on some weirdness with Ava. So not only do they not like her because she's competition, but she's also kind of weird, like something feels off. Also, Ava feels unwelcome at the castle. She feels like this visceral sense of, I'm not welcome here. Also, she's staying in the creepy bedroom <laughs> with the creepy forest fairy tapestry that she's strangely drawn to. So we're getting some clues, some hints as to Ava's background, which are not resolved in this story because there's a cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. Now it's Ava's turn for her date. She does her bartending thing because she is actually really good at bartending and she mixes Torin a drink and they talk. She tells Torin about Andrew. Torin gives her an in to tell her side of the story of that drunken night that they met. Yes, set the record straight. Yes, because it's being televised 
And <laughs> that drunken knight was also televised. And she's been basically reviled up to this point due to that, like her reputation was ruined. So she takes him up on it and she tells him about Andrew and how he broke her heart. Torin gets all pissed off because he broke a contract. He's like, I will have this dealt with. <laughs> she says, no, it's fine. I'm in fairyland now. So it's all for the best. Torin says, quote, we're wild creatures. And that is precisely why you belong here. And then he reaches out to touch her. But when he does, it feels like icicles have been injected into her blood. <laughs> and she yanks her arm away. Torin's eyes kind of get all big. Like you get like this, oh shit, expression on his face, I think. And then their date night is over and she leaves. So we're getting also some hints onto how the object of Torin's affections gets killed by his love. His love is a cold, icy love. So cold, so icy. And then that night is the first night that Torin doesn't pick her up to go training again. Ava's a little weirded out by it. She gets a little bit of Shalini time, which is nice. Uh, apparently after her date with Torin, all the humans have decided that Ava is cool and they've doxed Andrew and are now threatening him. Oops. Shalini knows this because she is still attached to social media. Shalini like stole Ava's phone and then Ava's phone ended up getting destroyed at some point. So she has no way to know. So we need Shalini to check socials for her. And then I, I guess I didn't say this, but the bedroom that they're staying in has two rooms. There's the big main sleeping area, which was supposed to be for Ava. And then a separate sleeping compartment that was supposed to be for her assistant, Shalini. Let Shalini have the fancy bed because she didn't really care. She said she likes the cozier bed. That feels better to her. Yeah. So after they go to bed and are asleep and everything, Ava gets woken up for seemingly no reason. And she goes out into the big bedroom and she sees a silhouetted figure standing there over Shalini's bed with a dagger Obviously, this person was trying to kill Ava. I don't think they realized that Shalini was the one in that bed. No. Ava manages to surprise them, and she uses the final potion that she had that causes the mist, the, the non-poison mist. Um, important distinction. <laughs> I will save you by poisoning you to death. Throws it in the attacker's face and then manages to grab Shalini, get away. They're screaming and there's noise. And then Aaron, the guard, is there. Also, Torin is there. They're both standing in their undies, looking hot AF. Turns out the women are also in their undies. Of course they are. Everyone's in their undies. Preferred sleeping attire, apparently. Torin puts a special ward on their door to help protect them. And he says, you guys need to stay in your quarters unless you have an escort. The next day, they're bored around the castle because I think things are kind of locked down because they're trying to figure out who that intruder was. Shalini suggests that they go on a tour of the castle. Aaron, Shalini, and Torin and Ava all go around the castle. At some point, Ava talks to Torin and says, hey, so the other night when you touched me, your magic did something to me and look at my wrist. 
there's this frozen section on my skin. Why isn't it going away? And Torin fucking lies to her and just says, oh, well, you know, when I'm very tired, I lose control of my magic sometimes. It won't happen again. I guess he can't help but lie to her because part of his curse is that he can't talk about his curse. Yeah. They also go look at the throne room. When they're there, we learn that the king's throne is smaller than the queen's throne because the queen is more important because it's her magic that keeps fairyland alive. But... We get another clue because these thrones do not like Ava. She gets this sense of unwelcome from them, just like she did when she entered the castle initially. She asks Torin how they could find out who her birth parents are, and he says, oh, we'll go look for your birth records. They go off to the library. Torin goes looking for the birth records. Meanwhile, Ava talks to the librarian and gets some history books on Fairyland but she can't read them, and so the librarian magics her brain so she can read fairy language now. Convenient. Yeah. When Torn comes back, it turns out they can't find any records. There are no missing baby girls around that time period. But one of the important things they m- notice is that she went missing around the month of the massacre, a.k.a. when... Torin's parents were murdered. The librarian and Torin kind of conclude, well, it's possible that things could have gotten lost or not as good of records could have been kept due to the situation at the time. When Ava gets back to her room with Shalini, she relays this information to her friend and then spends some time looking at that scary-ass tapestry in her room And then they read the History of Fairyland books. But they get to a point in the history that kind of cover that same time period of the massacre (laughs) 26 years ago, that very important (laughs) time period. The pages have been ripped out of the book. So whatever happened, they weren't supposed to find out. So now there is a ballroom dance. Torn has to dance with each of the contestants. So he dances with all the princesses and also with Ava. So we get a sexy tango between Torn and Ava. She's really into it. He's really into it. But Ava does not want to be really into it. And so she ends up leaving after her one dance. She figures, well, I did my due diligence. It's fine. I think she's feeling a little jealous. And the other princesses... They're dancing with him multiple times. Mariah is being pretty predatory. One of the princesses, Alice, seems really innocent, kind of kind. So, you know, things aren't going to go well for her. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's true, right? Yes. (laughs) As Ava is leaving, heading back to her room, she realizes she's being followed. And it turns out that it's Torin behind her. And he says to her, Tell me again how much you hate me. And she says, is this your kink? (laughs) Uh, I really liked that. Me too. And we get some of the sexual tension because he's so, it's from her perspective, but you just know that he wants her. He's into her and he's trying to remind himself why he shouldn't be, why he can't be. And he wants her to reinforce that by still not liking him. He says, though, that he wants a kiss because he can't stop thinking about her. 
And she's like, okay, fuck it. I want to kiss him too. (laughs) It's a good kiss. It's a very good kiss. And then he says, have I told you how much I love the way you smell? And she says, shh, we're not doing compliments. (laughs) He kisses her again. They make out. It gets pretty hot and heavy. And then he pulls away and he tells her, I'm going to have guards sent to your room because I don't want anything to happen to you. It's very sweet, but also like, I think confusing for Ava because he's very hot and cold with her. Yes. Oh, I hate you. You're horrible. Tell me how much you hate me. Let me kiss you. You smell great. (laughs) (laughs) Let's grind in the hallway. No, wait, I hate you. She wakes up. I think it's in the middle of the night and hears screaming in the hallways. That's not good. Since there was an intruder in her room before, there's a sword in her room now. So she grabs the sword and goes out into the hallway and all the princesses are awake and they're in the hall too. And it's just everyone's kind of looking around and trying to figure out what's going on. And then we find out that poor Alice... Got stabbed in the back. Literally. Whoops. (laughs) Poor, poor Alice. She was too nice to live. Yeah. Everyone starts searching for hidden entrances into their rooms. Supposedly, Ava's room doesn't have any hidden entrances. So they spend the day stuck in their room. Toward the end of the day, Torin shows up and gives them an update. He's tired. Aaron's tired. They've got the dagger. They suspect Mariah, but they really can't accuse her because they don't have any evidence. Torin says, you know, I need to make sure that you can defend yourself. We need to start practicing again. Torin takes her out in the middle of the night again to go practice fencing. But this time he doesn't take her to the forest. He takes her to, what is it, like a temple or something? Yes. Like their equivalent And he tells her that that night he's going to use magic when they fight so that she understands what it's like to fight against the princesses because they're going to be using magic. They're not going to be holding back. Obviously, they're out to win it. He gives her a crystal that if she keeps it near her, then it helps her move swiftly. They start fighting and then it gets sexy fighting again. And then there's kissing. Then he says, (laughs) just, I gotta love it. You know, he's all, you know, this is just lust, right? (laughs) I do not like you. (laughs) And she's like, well, what is your problem? Is it because I'm a common fae or, or what? And he says, no. And then he says, I took you here for a reason. I think meaning the temple. And then... She's like, and what was that? And he goes to tell her and then he stops himself and he says, you know, it was never meant to be. So he makes her mad because he rejects her, you know, after the sexy fighting and making out. And she's like, fine, you're just another asshole, just like Andrew. I'm not surprised. What the fuck ever. But she ends up feeling heartbroken anyway. I think she has not admitted it to herself, but she's in love with the stupid asshole at this point yeah i think so yeah he's i don't know he's not a stupid asshole he's a tortured soul yes he can't he can't help it (laughs) or i mean i mean he can't help it but (laughs) he is tortured 
Yeah. <laughs> and he tortures himself because, you know, he's into that. Yeah, I mean, the whole reason he brought her to the temple is because that's where his other love died. <laughs> that's what he was trying to remind himself of. <laughs> I have to remind myself that love is pain. Uh-huh. Basically. And uh, honestly, it's kind of fucked up that he's like, humping on another woman in the area where he killed his first love a kink yeah kind of icky yeah but he's a fairy so it's fine sure <laughs> it's like in the sci-fi romance it's like well different cultural norms i don't know yeah they're vicious and cruel so it's okay yes I think the author did a good job of playing with the vicious, cruel fairies, but still making them likable. Because <laughs> I didn't really mind Torrin. I mean, he kind of drives me crazy with the hot and cold thing, but that's kind of the point of the story, really. Yeah. I can't really knock it too much. And even though he's kind of evil, he's also like, fine. Like, he's honorable. He has his code of ethics that he abides by. Yes. He is ethical. Like, if we're going by D&D, &D, I think all fairies are evil, and Torin is lawful evil. Yeah, I could see that. He's not the good guy fully. No. I mean, some of it is the constraints that the story puts on him, like making him lie. Sometimes it can be unsatisfying in stories where characters have their agency taken away. Yeah. I mean, usually we talk about it with female characters. Yeah, in this case, it's... it's Poor, tortured Torin, Doomed to murder every woman he loves. Yeah, he has to lie because the curse won't allow him to speak the truth. Yeah, he's literally unable to tell the truth about the curse. Yeah, I don't know. Like, sometimes I think it'd be better. Like, no, he can say it. There'd just be a consequence. Yeah. So it's like, how, how bad does he want to be able to tell the truth rather than just take his agency away from him? And just pile on the... Because then he gets a choice. Yeah. It's good or bad. You know, it's, it's a character making a choice versus character walking around with shackles on. Yeah. Back in Ava's room, she and Shalini have discovered a hidden passage in their room after all. <gasps> and so, of course, they decide they're going to go explore. Of course. We also learn about a type of fairy called the Unseelie which were not one of the types we learned about earlier in the story. And apparently those are what the demons were called that killed Torin's family. When Ava hears the word Unseelie, she gets this cold dread. And she's like, I didn't think they were real. <laughs> but I think there's more to it than that. I feel like we're getting some pretty heavy hints that they're in the unseelie bedroom. The fairies on the wall tapestry are unseelie fairies. Ava doesn't feel welcome at the castle, but she does really <laughs> like that tapestry. And I just kind of feel like maybe she's an unseelie fairy. Kind of, maybe, sort of, possibly. Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, she, I mean, she, she is, come on. She totally is. All right. So they go exploring in the passage and they end up at this really awesome tower room that has an awesome view. And in it is a diary. It's all about 
Torin, the author of the diary, is in love with Torin. There's this cute part where <laughs> Ava starts reading it and then it becomes obvious that it's very personal and private. And then Shalini says, we shouldn't be reading this. Go on. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I felt like that could be us. Yeah, I was like, we should stop. This is bad. Do it. <laughs> uh-huh. One of the things in the diary is that this person said that they think Torin plans to marry them, but he keeps warning them of danger. And then later there's a point where they're allowed to be alone with him, but when they try to hold his hand, he freezes them with ice. And it's super painful and horrible. And when she ran to her sister to get it fixed, her sister told her that Torin would be the death of them, and that Torin was death, and the sister had a premonition that Torn would bury the author's frozen body beneath the earth in the temple and never tell anyone that he killed them. <laughs> it's a little foreboding. Shalini says, maybe this isn't worth $50 million. Ava's like, um, yeah, no, I still need my $50 million. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm still here for the money. It's the night before the fencing challenge. They're all having a nice civilized dinner together. It's kind of bachelor-esque. Mariah has some fun news. She's found some gossip online and she's passing her phone around. Torin gets a little grumpy at her because she's ignoring his speech about the challenge tomorrow. And she says... Oh, I thought you should know one of the women here is, has disgraced herself. <laughs> yeah, so Andrew has posted naked photos of Ava online for revenge. Ugh. Ava didn't necessarily pose for these photos, but when they were in Costa Rica, sometimes they went swimming without any clothes on. And Andrew took some pictures, and Ava didn't really think anything of it because they were in love and... We were going to get married, so it's fine. But apparently, Andrew is spinning this whole story about her being an alcoholic, having rages, cheating on him, all sorts of stuff. It's pretty awful. She's feeling really pissed, really hurt. Understandably. <laughs> she, she tells Torin everything he said was a lie. And then Torin romantically says to her, I know that, and I will rip his ribs from his body and leave his ravaged carcass for the vultures as a warning to others. <laughs> oh, so cute. Then she questions him, and she's like, why do you even care? You hate me, remember? Stop this. I think they're in the hallway. I don't think they're in the middle of the dinner when they're having this conversation. There's a lot of subtext here that we don't want the other princesses to know. Yes. And as she turns to leave and walk back into where they're having dinner, he says, wait, and then reaches out to touch her, but then looks like he's afraid to touch her. And then he tells her that she's the wrong one. He shouldn't have chosen her. And then she's like, I thought you chose me because I'm unsuitable. This shouldn't make it any worse, right? <laughs> she says, <laughs> she says, Quote, and I'm so deeply sorry if it makes you embarrassed, but we have a contract and a fae king can't break it. <laughs> We're going to go through with this marriage and I'm getting my money. 
I don't know. I feel like she's kind of being stupid here because he has told her he doesn't care. He's told her he would murder Andrew to make it better. And she still thinks that he's upset about these lies being spread about her. Yeah. He tells her, you can't ever touch me. Do you understand? And she's like, I don't want to. So don't worry about it. And then when she gets back into where everyone was having dinner, one of the other princesses tell her, you should be proud. You look hot in that photo. (laughs) Your ex is awful. And then Mariah is kind of butthurt. And she's all, well, I'm going to run her through with my blade anyway. So whatever. (laughs) Way to look on the upside. Mariah is such a slut shamer. Like she is really not okay with women flaunting their sexuality in any way whatsoever no but they also make that comment like her and that other princess we have intelligence like a man ergo yeah the king will find us attractive so it makes me wonder like is that how it is in their clans yeah it doesn't seem like they're necessarily coming from very uh feministy sort of places so she may be like slut shaming and stuff but i mean Again, with the other example, too, it makes me kind of wonder, like, what about her background? Or does she just really not like Ava and therefore she's going to say anything? Well, I think it has probably a lot to do with her background because we learn that several of the princesses were seeing this possible marriage as a way to escape their home situation. Yes. And also, I mean, also, where else would she have learned these things from? Yeah. If not where she lives yeah no that's fair but i don't think it gives her an excuse i mean there's it explains it but it doesn't give her an excuse to be kind of a jerk about it of course and obviously not all of the clans are like that because one of the other princesses tells ava that she's hot and you know her boyfriend's an asshole and you get it girl Mm -hmm. now it is time for the fencing i think mariah and one of the other princesses go first and then another two princesses go second and then ava and the last princess go last mariah is brutal in her match so brutal the audience fucking loves it like they are (laughs) eating it up blood yay the second match has the red cat princess and she is also fucking brutal she beheads the other princess and like dips her cap in the blood and wears it no she goes in with it red she does but then after she kills the princess she redips it oh missed that part she has this whole flourish at the end because she's like we're friends not today (laughs) and then it's time for Ava's match and the other fairy the other princess tells her you know I just want to yield like I don't even want to do this anymore I just want to go home can you just beat me already clearly he likes you better and I don't want to die over this shit (laughs) and I like girls (laughs) I don't even want him (laughs) yeah which makes I mean she would have been the perfect choice for Torin right Mm -hmm. (laughs) mm-hmm (laughs) he should have just asked around dude needed to do his research i know (laughs) ava says well okay let's do a little fencing because she learns it's kind of an honor thing for the princess she lets her get in a shot at her and all that 
<laughs> is that good enough? <laughs> Ouch. Is that good enough? <laughs> yeah. And then she goes, are you ready for the final blow? And the princess is like, yeah. But she looks like she's going to cry. And Ava's like, what's wrong? And she goes, it's going to look like a failure for me. I'm going to let down my whole family. And she goes, okay, get it another shot on me then. <laughs> but then Ava does defeat her. Okay, so now there's three winners. But one of the winners has resigned from the tournament. She is no longer interested. <laughs> It's essentially going to be Mariah versus Ava, as we knew it would be. But while Ava's waiting for it to get started, Princess Orla, Torin's sister, shows up and she says to her, Hey, by the way, Mariah's using a glamoured sword. And it actually is about three inches in front of where her opponents perceive it to be. And then Orla magically heals Ava's wounds that she got from fighting and says, I want to give you something safe from my brother. And it's a necklace with a charm on it that's a stag's head. But when Ava tries to touch it, it hurts her. Uh-oh. And she says, is this because Torin doesn't like me? And Orla's like, no, I, he wanted me to give this to you. I don't know why it's not working. It's supposed to protect you. Ava's like, oh, well, I guess I can't have it. Oh, well, I guess I'll just do my best without. <laughs> it's finally time for Ava and Mariah to fight. And she is not doing too well because she's noticing that Orla's right. Every time she tries to deflect a blow from Mariah, it's a little late. She's realizing she's going to have to overcome her own senses. Kind of like when she fought with Torin and he blinded her. Mariah gets two blows, the second of which is one directly through Ava's abdomen. Really Ow. not good. A flesh wound. She falls over. It looks like Mariah's going to win. And then we get another flashback to when Ava was training with Torin because she refuses to give up and she kicks her foot into Mariah's knee and gets her to fall and then skewers her in the thigh with her own sword then, as she pulls her sword out of Mariah's leg and steps back, she realizes that Mariah doesn't seem to feel the pain as much as she should. So she's thinking maybe she has some pain dulling magic. And so they begin fighting again. At this point, Ava realizes that if she focuses enough, she can match up the sound with the actual movement of the blade and she's able to actually deflect properly, which makes Mariah lose some of that bravado that she had. Yeah. You are not invincible. Yeah. And then Mariah elbows her in the side of the head and Ava is blinded by shadows and she's dizzy and she's not doing well. She's bleeding. Her face is messed up. She's got problems. And then she's like, no, I'm still not going to lose. I'm going to use my other senses. And as she's fighting, she gets this voice in her head that says, you were born to rule, Ava. <laughs> she's like, um, thanks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but then she's able to attack and she ends up stabbing Mariah through the chest. And the second she does, she's able to see again. And Mariah staggers back and she's 
clutching at herself and Ava's able to tell that she punctured a lung and she's like, ha, <laughs> you know, you know how it feels. <laughs> she doesn't kill Mariah and then Ava is declared the winner. Yay. Good Yay. for her. The announcer says King Torin is going to announce his choice for queen at sunset. The queen will make our kingdom thrive. Yay. Yay. And then Orla runs up and heals the rest of Ava's wounds because yay magic. And Ava's wondering, why didn't Torin heal me? It's because he can't touch you anymore. Nope. No touchies. So Ava's taking a bath and she's reflecting a little bit on that voice in her head telling her she was born to rule. She's also reflecting on the secrets the Torin has been keeping from her. When she gets out of the bath, Shalini says, oh, yeah, someone dropped off this box for you from the king. And it is a pretty green dress with a note that says that he saw what she did, that she was kind to the princess that she fought initially. He thinks she's amazing, but you have to stay away from me forever and ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he says he's going to keep his distance. Don't come close to me ever again. Then Mariah's at the door. She wants to talk to Ava. Ava answers the door, but doesn't let her in. Mariah says, I've already resigned, dropped out of the race. I don't intend to harm you anymore. However, I got a premonition about you. Guess what? Torrin's going to kill you. What? (laughs) And then we learn, which I mean, we kind of knew from all the clues, but Mariah's sister is the one that Torrin killed that he was in love with. Mariah says, yeah, I had a premonition about her too. And it came true. Ava's like, well, why were you in this tournament then? Anyway, why would you want to marry Torin? And she's like, no, I want to be close to him to remind him every day that he is death. But since now I know he's going to kill you too, I don't need to remind him. <laughs> You'll remind him by dying. Tee-hee. And then this is hilarious because <laughs> Ava goes, why are you telling me this now? And Mariah says, well, I really don't like you. That's why. <laughs> There's something really fucking wrong with you and you don't belong here. <laughs> it's just that simple. I don't like you. Yep. It is really simple, but it was satisfying to me. That oh, she yeah. Just, yes. Just, no, I just hate you. I don't need another reason. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't make the sister like, it's because I really want to be with Torin. Right. Ava goes running to go find Torin and get the facts. She's like, I need to speak to you alone. He says, no, this isn't the time. And then she says, Mariah told me you murdered your sister. Is that true? And he doesn't answer her. I'd rather not. And then she says, why does she say your touch is death? And Torin doesn't answer her. And then Torin says, I care for you far more than I should. And Ava's upset. She's like, but you're not answering any of my questions. (laughs) And she goes to leave. And he reaches out to touch her, to hold her back. And as he touches her, all of a sudden he realizes, oh, shit, what did I do? (laughs) And she starts freezing, literally becoming frozen. She starts panicking. And she's like, stop it. And he says, Ava, the queen's throne. And so... Ava manages 
to run somehow, even though she's literally turning into an icicle, to stumble and fall upon the queen's throne, which saves her life. And as she's laying on the throne, she's like freezing, but the freezing is fading. She smells some warm earth. She hears bird song. She feels the sun on her skin. And she says, I want to go home. And she feels this rush of magic and she gets all thought out and she feels good. And then she wakes up. She's kind of in like this water, like this warm pool of water. And she starts swimming up. And when she gets out of the water, she realizes she's in the middle of this beautiful enchanted forest. She realizes this is where she's from. This is her true home. And when she had asked the throne to take her home, this is where it took her. But she's not really sure where here is. (laughs) When she looks at her reflection in the water, she sees that her hair has turned back to its natural shade, this beautiful bluish green. Then she finds a giant spider the size of a small dog. And the spider seems a little interested in her. And she's like, okay, well, maybe it's not all beautiful here. (laughs) Maybe it's time to go back. Beauty comes at a price. But then she sees in the water her full reflection and notices that she now has a set of horns on her head. All of a sudden, she realizes why the pendant that Torn had tried to give her rejected her. It's because she is unseely. And now she's in her real home, the realm of the wild beasts. And that's where the story ends, because, like I said, this is a cliffhanger. So, how was the audiobook? So, for Frost, you have two options if you want to do audio. You have a single narrator, which for this book, it was Amanda Dolan. She did a great job with every character. Or you can do the dramatic reading, or dramatization, I think they call it, or dramatized, that graphic audio does. And they had, gosh, I don't, I didn't write it down, like 10 cast members, with Taylor Cohen playing Ava and Alex Hill Knight playing Torin. I think in their little lead-in, they say it's supposed to be like a movie experience. Yeah, in a lot of ways it was really cool, because it did feel very immersive and like you were there... But it was interesting to me that I felt more emotionally invested with Dolan's reading than with the casts. Really? Yeah. I wonder if that's not because at various points in the dramatized one, music would play. Oh, okay. And I got to admit, sometimes they didn't need it. (laughs) Got it. If it had to be there, then it needed to be quieter than what it was. I felt like it was pulling focus. Mm, okay. Because, like I said, it's supposed to be like a movie. And, like, yes, but with a movie, you also have visuals. So you have other input when it's just your auditory. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm not on an island of one about this, but, like, you don't need as much. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they were delivering the emotions. You didn't need the music to help. And if anybody does do the dramatized one, some words of note... In the very beginning of that, there is guitar playing. Again, I felt like in most cases, 
the music was just too loud. Even if it was okay that it was there, it was just too loud. It was so bad that I was actually thinking like, I'm going to stop this. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, it was just, and again, maybe that's just me. Or maybe it's the way I was listening to it. I don't know. Like, it was just, it was in the way. But it does go away. (laughs) But it's there for much longer than it, I feel like it should be. Especially at the volume that it was. I will say, because we we are going to do the second book. And I did the second dramatized one as well. And apparently they must have gotten some notes or something. And there's much less music. Oh, hey. (laughs) Which is just so weird. (laughs) I'm like, all right. Clearly, I, I don't think I was the only one that felt that way about that. And the last little note, if you're doing the dramatized one, is so at the very end, when it switches from, I think it's Taylor Cohen who's reading the last bit, when it switches to a dude, cut the feed. <laughs> Turn it <laughs> off unless you want to be spoiled. Because yeah, doesn't it give spoilers for the next book? It does. At the very end? Yeah. yeah. Like if you keep crazy. listening, they also do like a snippet of another book that they're promoting, which is, I mean, it's fine. But yeah, I was like, hey, wait, whoa, I don't know. I don't know that information yet. <laughs> it hasn't happened in the story. <laughs> Why are you telling me this? <laughs> all, all we know is that she went, we, she went to a different place. We don't know what this place is. We don't know. We don't know. There's lots of unknowns. Why? 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 Shut up. Yeah, he was too informative. I mean, it was fine. I <laughs> it was fine. I mean, in a way, it's fine because you were going to go ahead and read the other book. But in a way, it's not fine because the other book would have revealed that information in a different way. Yes. And, and again, like, I'm not so much a, oh, no, don't spoil it for me. But I know some people are very much about that. So like I said, if you don't want to be spoiled even a little bit about how information is revealed... I mean, I feel like what is revealed is not necessarily like, ooh, I couldn't have figured that out. But again, if you want to have that as your experience, just switch it off right there. (laughs) Just a word of warning. I think that's a good warning. It's kind of weird that they would do that, you know? Like, I kind of wonder why that choice was made. I I don't know why they made that choice. I I don't know if that's normal for them to do, because this is the first graphic audio dramatization that I've listened to, so I don't know. It was interesting to have those two different takes because, again, the with graphic, there's a completely different performer playing Ava, who does the majority of the narration. I really liked it. I liked, I must admit, I liked the second book better just because it didn't have as much of that music. Because <laughs> I was just, <laughs> I was like, don't need it take it out or turn it down at least the way i was listening to it i couldn't adjust that so are you happy for their happy should we even ask this question since we're not done with the actual story um we can hold off if you want i mean i'm fairly optimistic for them maybe i'll say let me change it okay how do you feel about them right now as we left them i i feel optimistic towards happiness see how it goes (laughs) what about you honestly where we leave them i don't feel that great about it Mm, okay they've got the chemistry for sure they obviously like each other but there are a lot of problems 
a lot of influences keeping them apart. And not only is Torin magically forced to lie to her and yeah. kill her with his touch, but she doesn't understand any of that yet. Yeah. So she thinks he's just being a jerk to be a jerk. Also, now we learn she's an Unseelie, which we suspect are the ones that murdered Torin's whole family and cursed him and his sister. So that doesn't bode well. <laughs> no. Yay, complications. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to reading the other part of the story to find out what happens. And, you know, it's a romance, so I'm sure they'll figure it out. But I think where we leave them off, it's really not looking that great. No, I see your point. I guess because their chemistry is okay, that I'm like, it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, they do have really good chemistry. So let's rate them and then we can compare next time we talk about them. <laughs> okay. How do you rate Ava? I bet Ava's awesome. You know, I think she's navigating this weird world well. She has the fighter spirit but also is compassionate and is willing to, you know, get stabbed so somebody else looks good. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right? It's kind. I'm not sure how sane it is, but it's kind. <laughs> well, she's got the magic healing people to help her. She does. There is that. If you didn't have that, yee. You know, her ability to endure and rise above and, and all that good stuff and not simply accept what's in front of her. She goes forth. She does things. Yay. What about you? I rate Ava awesome as well. I really enjoyed her character. I liked how badass she was. And I liked her right from the very beginning because when she finds out her boyfriend is cheating on her, she's like, well, <laughs> fuck it. Yes. Screw you then. This is not. And leaves. I like that it wasn't, what did I do wrong? It's, you're the asshole. Yep. I really liked that. It made me like her pretty much instantly. And then I really enjoy the banter between her and Torin, and she's constantly poke, poke, poking <laughs> at him. Yes. And I just find that dynamic fun. And I also like how brave she is. She's yeah. really fucking brave. She's in this world that she has no experience with, even though she's supposedly from there. And yet she rolls with it and succeeds. Like she perseveres and wins. So uh, that was pretty cool. Yes. She is made of stern stuff. Yes. How do you rate Torin? Torin? Hmm. I put Torin as awesome because he has the unfortunate issue of <laughs> <laughs> being unable to tell the truth about something. And so it's so tricky because I want to fault him for that. And no, it's the magic. It won't let him. <laughs> yeah, those kinds of things. Uh, give the characters their choices and let them be good or bad. Like I said, make it a consequence. Going, he can tell her. But. <laughs> yeah. Uh, without that, I mean, there's some problematic issues with his character. I mean, overall, I like him. But I don't know. We'll have to see how it goes in book two. What about you? I feel kind of waffly about Torin. There's part of me that's like, yeah, he's awesome. I enjoy Grumpy Pants. 
Mm-hmm. But then there's the other part of me that's like, but I'm kind of totally over the tortured soul. Oh, he's actually really good trope. Yeah, I mean, he did lose all the funds, right? Like, that is something he actually did. I think it was buying food for everybody. So I think it's still essentially good. Gotcha. Because he's trying to make up for the magic being off. Yeah, for the eternal winter. Gotcha. I don't know. I think I'll probably... I'm I'm going to say Oxum as well at this point. I was worried initially about him because... I don't really like an alpha hero, and since he's a prince, I automatically was like, oh, he's probably alpha. He's really not super toxically alpha, though. No. He's definitely arrogant. He's kind of cocky, but I don't think he's, like, an asshole about it. I think he's just used to a certain level of treatment and is surprised when he doesn't receive it from Ava but then he ends up liking that he doesn't receive it from Ava I agree with you about the lying thing you know how I feel about lying but yes he can't help it obviously yeah but I don't like that either however I think her not knowing what the reason is behind his constantly pulling away from her even though it seems like he's into her i think that element is a big part of the story yeah and i think that the authors chose the lying as a way to get that part of the story in there and i don't know that it was the best choice but then it's also pretty common yeah that curses don't let you talk about them Yeah, because if you could talk about them, then you could get the curse removed. Right. I mean, that's the thing is it's it's made up magic. So you depends on what the curse is and the conditions of the curse and the way the curse manifests. You can change those things to make it harder. Yeah. Something about his curse that I thought was interesting that I kind of would have liked more about and maybe we will get more about is that he seems to know all about it. Mm. because it seems like he knew ahead of time that if he touched his first love that she would freeze like he knew it was going to happen because he withdrew from her he constantly was pulling away from her based on her journal entries and so i kind of wonder how he knew all that i don't know we shall have to see he i found him surprisingly likable honestly yes in spite of the the fact that he's a king and in spite of the fact that he's like super fucking arrogant <laughs> and in spite of the tortured soul element to his character, <laughs> I mean, ultimately, he's just a cinnamon roll grumpy pants mm-hmm. and he's sad and lonely. He's a lonely boy. He is. How do you rate the villains slash antagonists? Uh, mostly effective, um, just in general. So I have Ash, Andrew and Ashley, and I felt they were pretty effective when they were there. And, and the lingering effects of Andrew's betrayal. Yeah. And his revenge. Exactly. Like, he didn't go down without a fight, so to speak, which I felt was in line with his character. And then the princesses, which they're effective. I feel like I need more information, though. Their backgrounds, 
and, and whatnot to really understand. Because clearly they're they're not all evil. Because there's the Selkie princess who is like, I just want to live. Yeah. And poor Alice. And then poor little Alice. I was like, oh, uh-oh. You're in a den of vipers, honey. <laughs> and then at, at the top, I put Torn's curse. Because he can't freaking talk yeah. about it. <laughs> and it's effective. But I feel like as a device, it's problematic. Not just in the story. But I won't belabor. What about you and your list of villains? Well, I, I agree about Andrew and Ashley, especially Andrew. Mm-hmm. I feel like Ashley was just basically a jerk, but eh, whatever. I feel like Andrew is the true villain of the couple because he's just so out of touch. <laughs> but not out of touch enough to not seek revenge when his reputation gets ruined. He seems like a child. Yeah. I'm sorry. You had a UTI, so I thought, you know, that meant I could sleep with other people. Or at least flirt with them. You uttered the words hall pass, so I figured it would be fine. Were you not paying attention? I don't know if that's the entitled rich boy thing. Or what? Maybe? I mean, that makes sense, because she goes from one entitled rich boy to another. So, I mean, there are things that she says... Where you can tell she's clearly assuming that Torn's going to be like Andrew. Absolutely, yeah. So, for what that's worth. Which I think was well done. You know, it makes sense. She literally just broke up with the dude. <laughs> yeah, and she was in love with him. Mm-hmm. And so it feels kind of quick. Yeah, she's like, I'm planning a future with him and we're going to have kids and all of this and I'm supporting him and then... Yeah, I mean, it really does feel kind of quick to go from Andrew to Torin, but eh. And then I also put the princesses, chiefly Mariah. Mm -hmm. I think she's the main villain of the princesses because she has her whole motive for wanting to win and wanting revenge on Torin for killing her sister. And then just the princesses in general, because they fucking <laughs> played super fucking dirty in the forest. Mm-hmm. And I guess Alice was part of that. So how sweet is she? I don't know. Was she, though? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I couldn't remember a specific instance of Alice doing that. We don't see her specifically in that moment, but all the princesses are together. Mm. So she's got to be there. It's peer pressure. She doesn't know what to do. And the poor princess that um, Ava fights in her first uh, rapier match Mm -hmm. has also got to be there. I can't remember the name, but the sulky one. Yeah, I think Eliza, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, there's a lot of names. It's hard for me to keep track of everybody. I don't know. It was was interesting, the dynamic between the princesses, and I would have liked some more of that so we get a little bit more world building in that way. I feel like that's when Fairyland really came into focus for me, is when we started to see how brutal and vicious they could be. Yes. And I, I definitely enjoyed that. Yeah, it would have been interesting to get more of the princesses, especially in where they're from, to see how Torin is as a ruler. Because we know he defends his post, right? 
Yeah. From potential usurpers. But it would, I don't know, just more insight. I didn't put Torin's Curse, but I think that's a good addition to the list because it is really what's keeping them apart. But it's also what brought them together because he wouldn't have sought her out again if he wasn't searching for someone who he could hate. This is true. So it's kind of interesting in that way. It is a gift and a curse. curse helped him. (laughs) Yep. How did you rate the book? I enjoyed it. Both both audio versions had their pluses and minuses. But yeah, overall, I gave it a four. Nice. What about you? I also gave it a four. Ooh, twinsies. I also enjoyed it, kind of in spite of myself, (laughs) because I was a little worried about reading a fairy book. I understand. So I was pleased. I dislike the cliffhanger ending. Yes. I tried not to let that affect my rating. (laughs) (laughs) Well, did you feel romanced? At least, or or the beginning stirrings of feeling romanced since cliffhanger? Yeah, I think that the elements of romance are there. I think I'm ready to be romanced. We've had the foreplay. (laughs) Now let's get the main course. Uh, We do get a lot of good sexual tension and scenes where the couple has good chemistry. So I definitely enjoyed that. And I do like the subtext of all the things that Torin says to Ava, which we get to filter with our extra knowledge, but Ava doesn't understand. So that that was kind of fun. What about you? Did you feel romanced? Not yet. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows when when the series ends in the next book? But I I did enjoy it. You know, I was charmed. I invested. So we'll see. Oh, you invested. So I think you got some foreplay too. <laughs> I enjoyed. What else have you been reading? So still reading, not finished. But I've started My Best Friend's Exorcism by Grady Hendrix. Abby, the outcast, feels like she'll never have a best friend. And then she meets Gretchen while the start of their friendship is quite rocky. (laughs) Oh, kids. They do reach that coveted social position of besties. Alas, there is a party in the woods and a separation. And after that, Gretchen starts to change a bit to the point where Abby no longer recognizes her. I don't feel like anything of this is spoiling because, I mean, it's called exorcism. (laughs) so just when abby thinks that she can't take it anymore because things gotta escalate gretchen says some very disturbing things like an impassioned plea to help her which seems a bit confusing for abby so we'll see if she figures it out hopefully she'll be able to save her friend we'll see don't know what about you what have you been reading I recently finished the final girl support group by Grady Hendrix. So we're twinsies this time. This is a horror novel that pulls from several famous uh, slasher films from the 80s. (laughs) You're in a slasher mood, aren't you? Dude, I love a good slasher. (laughs) Like I said, we gotta do Screamathon. So this book centers around a group of women who were all final girls in their own slasher situation. The quote-unquote universe that the story takes place in 
each of these women's stories turned into movie franchises. And that's where the slasher movies came from. So all the slasher movies are based on actual events. But as one can imagine, the final girls are traumatized. Understandably. They regularly meet in a support group with each other, along with a psychologist who specializes in helping people with their specific type of trauma. Our narrator is Lynette, who is a bit of an unreliable narrator. She's really fun. She's a final girl, but maybe not really. Mm. And you find out what that means when you read. And she's a very paranoid person. Each Uh of the women has dealt with their trauma in a different way. And Lynette's way is complete social isolation aside (laughs) from this regular meeting with her support group and locking herself up in her apartment with a cage like a safety cage that she has built around the front door oh gosh so that even if someone breaks the door to her apartment they can't get in Mm -hmm. and she has one friend which is her plant that she has named fine okay (laughs) but she's she's dealing she's doing all right until it looks like there's someone trying to kill the final girls (gasps) rude and she's trying to figure it out and you got to read it to see what happens hopefully she does or somebody does uh well hopefully you have to read to find out (laughs) it's really it's it's a really fun book i like how it takes a lot of the horror tropes and plays with them Hmm. and i enjoyed the Final Girls being based on characters from actual slasher movies, but the movies in the book were fictionalized, so you (laughs) kind of have to guess to determine who is from which movie that it's based on. Uh And so that was kind of fun, and some of them were really obvious, and I was able to pick it out right away, but some of them I wasn't sure. Huh. And Lynette's, I ended up having to do some Google (laughs) super sleuthing to determine which movie she was based on, which was also fun. And I actually hadn't seen the movie she was based on. So So that's it now. I'm done. I'm done talking about all that. Oh, well, I still remember it. My Best Friend's Exorcism is a movie or show on Amazon. Oh, yeah. Cool. So there is that. I still want to finish the book, though. And then maybe. Or show. Mm -hmm. Or whatever it is. The thing. The thing. With the visuals. And the actors. With the more partaking. Yes. Yes. That stuff. The actors and the 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 cameras and and the movie. and Yeah, the props and the scripts and the the music. Oh, wait. M doesn't like music. (laughs) I do like music. (laughs) Just, jeez Louise. Yeah. I was just like, just turn it down. Like, I don't (laughs) find it unnecessary. Yeah, a lot of things are unnecessary. Like my lead in into this intro (laughs) or outro or whatever the fuck I'm doing. Yeah, I don't know how to do this anymore. Um, Check out our website, romancemepodcast.com. It's cool. We have our show notes. Um, Our other episodes are on there. 
There are links to lists with our upcoming reads. You could subscribe if you want to, and you know you do, on Apple, Google, Amazon, or Spotify. And you can rate us, because we love being judged. <laughs> and if you want, you could leave a review. So I could read them to M and make her feel mortified, whether or not they're good. Yep. Good times. <laughs> well, were you romanced by Ava and Torin's story? Let us know what you think. And of course, join us next time when we discuss Homecoming King by Penny Reed. Yay, Penny Reed! And then we'll start the new year with the next book in this. Yes, Ambrosia. You know what's peculiar? So the series is called Frost and Nectar, but the books are Frost and Ambrosia. Did that bother you? Well, it made me think that maybe there's more books in the series, but I don't know if there are. Oh, I just read the blurb and it looks like uh, Ambrosia has the only one venture. Yes, yes it does. So, I have that too.